Good morning. What a privilege and an honor and a blessing it is to be up here with you this morning. I think I've hit the, uh, I've hit, I've hit all of them. I've had a session. I've done the Saturday. I've done the evening session, and now I'm doing the Sunday. So there we go. I've done them all. Does that mean I'm done? No. There you go. There you go. Tuesday afternoon. All right. Well, it is a it is a pleasure and a privilege to be up here with you. Um, if you want to listen to my sermon in song format, just listen to today's worship because they pretty much covered everything that I'm going to say. So there's that. <clears throat> this season has been uh, somewhat difficult for many people. Uh, everybody said that 2020 was the worst year ever. 2020 wasn't that bad for me. I like 2020. It was fine. Um, but I, I understand that. You know, everybody was, was uh, sequestered. There was the quarantine. The pandemic hit. And everybody was just saying, we hate 2020. As soon as we get to 2021, everything's going to work out great. It's going to be awesome. And, and here we are, right, three months in, and um, everything is not great. Everything is not awesome. Uh, in fact, I think, I think 2021 has been probably one of the hardest years that I've experienced. I, so I cannot promise you that I'm not gonna cry today. So Fran, get your milkshake ready. I don't know why it works, but it works. I don't know why. Um, but but I, you know, we have been through a lot. There's, there is so much going on in the natural, in the spirit, in everything that the Lord is trying to do for us that I think we just have to be, we have to be ready. You have to open your heart, your, your eyes. Um, I was trying to think about a title for my sermon today, and I was going to call it The Death and Life of a Prophet Part 2, um, or, or whatever, Episode 2, I don't know. And, and I, as I listened through this week while working, listened to the sermons, you know, there's just so many elements of, of what God is trying to tell us about the prophetic, about his voice, and, and this to me is just an extension of what God is doing. When I think about the Sunday sermon, I, I don't necessarily think about it as part of the seminar, but, but many times it is. You know, to me, it's Sunday, right? It's, it's after the seminar. But, but we do extend it to here. And, and what I really think the Lord is trying to do is, is to extend the seminar continuously. You know, it doesn't end here. It keeps going. The Lord is doing so much as part of what we talked about in this seminar. We, we have to progress and do what God has asked us to do take these teachings, these, these revelations, and, and continue to expand on them from week to week. And, and as we do that, and the Lord gives us, the, as, as, as Les was saying, the line upon line from seminar to seminar, and, and we see the Lord working through that. Um, you know, before, for many of you who don't know, and I think everybody does know because of Mark Zuckerberg, but for those of you who don't know, I, I got COVID. My wife and I got COVID. My daughters got COVID. It started with Megan. Uh, it started with a young lady at school. We pulled Megan out of school because of that. We thought, hey, we don't want to get this, so we pulled her out. And um, unfortunately, she had been close enough to that young child that Megan ended up getting COVID. And, and Megan was a trooper. She dealt with it. She was bored. She wanted to, you know, stay home and just do, um, oh, she had to stay home, but she just wanted to stay in her room and, and, and just chill, but it wasn't life-threatening, you know, she wasn't on her deathbed or anything like that. And then we were very concerned, especially Kelly, that we were going to get this. And 
So we tried to be careful, but you know how kids are. They're, they're touching everything. They're coughing everywhere. They don't care. They're not thinking about it. And, and so Megan was just living her life. She was be, just being Megan, right? It's not her fault. She was just being Megan, and um, eventually we ended up getting it. And at the time, you know, I, I, was, I was invincible. I was thinking, man, we're not going to get this. It's not that big a deal. I'm going to be fine. Kelly's going to be fine. And then I got it. And let me tell you, I was not fine. It, it progressed for me. I'm not sure how it hit Kelly, but it progressed for me. I, I started feeling the, the cough, the, the congestion, the fever. And, and over the span of maybe two or three days, I started to get sick or I was feeling sick. So I, I got it and, and it started to progress. And then probably about day three for me is really when I got hit hard. And, and that's when I knew, you know, yep, this is it. And I was, I was on my deathbed. And, and you know how dramatic I am. I was dying. And, and Kelly had it. She had it at the same time as I did. I think she just got maybe a baby strain of it because she's walking around. She's taking care of the kids. She's, she's just doing all the things that, you know, that, that moms are supposed to do. That's right. No matter how they feel, she, she just plugged along. So obviously her strain was not as significant as my strain. That's how I'm going to see it. Sure. I know. You know, I'm kidding. She, she was, she had to deal with everything because I was just out. And I, and I, we, we talked about this later. Um, and, and I apologized and I cried about it with her because I was, I could not do any. I said, babe, it's not that I was just like, oh, okay, I, I just need a rest. I'm sick. I couldn't. I just couldn't. And it was the worst feeling ever. And, and here's the thing for me, and, and I wonder how many people experience the severe depression that I experienced as part of this particular sickness. I've had the flu before, and I've been, you know, sick, but, but afterwards, fine. During COVID, for me, came this severe depression to the point where I was like, you are a horrible person. You are a bad Christian. Nobody loves you. You are bad at your job. I, would, I was so far down in this depression that, that it, was, it was killing my body. It was killing my spirit. It was killing my mind. Every single part of me was attacked at this point. And I can't tell you that it was the sickness that did it or if it was the enemy taking that chance that, hey, he's down. Let's, let's kick him while he's down and coming in spiritually. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we can interpret in there, right? But I, I was to the place where I, I was horrible at everything. And, and I knew that I was the most horrible person in the world. And, and how am I going to get out of this? And, and my faith was shaken because of this. It was truly shaken. And, and I had these, these, not suicidal, I was not suicidal at any point in time, but I had these thoughts of what's the point? Why am I even here? If I'm so horrible, what comes after this? Because I'm a horrible person. So how do you get out of that? And, and it took me pretty much seven to eight days for it to, you know, get over the rise of COVID down into you're going to be okay, right? And then I started to feel better, etc. Um, but it shook me to the core. It really did. It shook me to a place where my faith was shaken, my, my ability to uh, believe in myself was shaken. There was all sorts of things that happened to me because of this. And like I said, my wife and I had to talk about it. We cried about it. It was, it was just this, this beautiful moment of, of discussion 
and an argument and, and just love between us. And it, it brought me to a place after that where I had to grow back into what I believe God wants me to be and who he is calling all of us to be. It got to the point, because it's not the only thing that's going on right now in our family. It got to the point where uh, my boss, I hope he doesn't listen to this. My boss, is, he's not going to listen to this. My boss is, uh, he's new to the company, new boss. So I've been, I've been through maybe four or five bosses in the past year and a half. And, and I'm tired of it. Let me tell you, I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of getting a new guy every single time, and then I've got to train them on how we do things and blah, blah, blah. You've heard the story. So anyway, I got a new boss. And I expected, you know, as a, as a leader for him to come. And I told him this so I can say it even if he is listening. I expected him to meet with me and say, hey, who are you? What do you do? What are your pain points? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and here's what I, what I want from you. This is my expectation. And I never got that call. And so I'm waiting, and at one point, you know, a couple of months, or a month into him being there, I'll get to scripture in a minute, but a month into him being there, he, um, he said, hey, I haven't forgotten about you, you know, we're, we're going to talk, we'll set up one-on-ones, etc. Never got any of that. And, and so eventually, um, about two weeks ago, I set a calendar appointment on his, on his calendar, or a meeting appointment on his calendar, and I said, I just want to know what my job is. What's my role? What are my responsibilities? Let's start there. If, if you were to fire Fabian and hire somebody, what would you tell that person? And so we got on the call. I said it for 30 minutes. We're talking. He, he's kind of giving me the runaround. He's not really giving me any clear, straight answers. And, and he at some point said, um, oh, what did he say? He at some point said um, something about, you know, you're supposed to be doing this. And I didn't know that you didn't do that. I didn't know that that wasn't part of, of your responsibility. So your, your whole department is a mess, but I didn't know that's because of this. He said, he said, you didn't tell me. And I said, oh my goodness. I yelled at him, folks. I was so upset. I yelled at him. And I, and I, and I banged my fist on my table, which is just this rickety piece of wood on top of a metal you know, desk. So it rattles. I've got all these electronics and stuff on it. And, and I, 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 sla I was so frustrated at this point. I slammed my fist, it sounded way louder than that, on the table. And I said, you've never asked me what I do. I yelled at him. And I said, we've never talked. We've never had a meeting. We haven't explored what's going on here. And, and to his credit, he was very calm about it. He said, okay, Fabian, and then we, he began to talk. But by this point, I was done. I was done with it. Done. And, and it was partly because of everything that I've just experienced with COVID, my, my depression, the, the lack of faith. I mean, I just exploded on him. And so I'm telling him all this. And now, it, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's the only thing. I, I still feel like, obviously, that that was bad on his part. And, and he said, you, you have my cell phone. You could have talked to me. You could have done this. You could have done that. And, and so I, I just, I calm myself down. I shut off and I said, you're right. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry I yelled at you. I should have set up a meeting. Now I know. And, and here's what I need, you know, next steps, blah, blah, blah. We, we eventually got done with the meeting. And I got up and I walked out the door. I didn't even tell Kelly because we're both working at home. The girls are at school. So I walked out the door and um, I just went for a run. You know how I like to do it, right? 
So I went for a run. There's this trail behind our house. I, I walked to the trail, and during that time, I'm, I'm weeping, I'm yelling, I'm asking God all these things, and I'm just, I'm, I was over it. And so I'm, I'm running, and there's people, I don't, people, don't people work? There's people on the trail, just a couple of people on the trail. So they're, they're on the trail, and, they're, and I see them. And so I'm, I'm trying to walk because I haven't walked in a long time. I haven't exercised, right? I just went through COVID, and my body is, I lost 20 pounds, people. So I, I'm doing this thing, and, and I'm walking, and I see a guy, and I'm like, ah. Oh, so I start running so I can get past him. I was so frustrated. And I got to the point where I cried it out. I, I walked it out. I ran it out, whatever you want to call it. But, but I got to a place where I said, okay, what are we going to do now? What, what is next? How do I move past this spiritually, emotionally, you know, physically, whatever it is, how do I get past this? So at that point in time, I'm like, okay, I got another meeting, got to go. So I, I turned back around and I went back home. I never understood this scripture here. We're going to read it right now. Never understood it. First Kings 18. Let me get some water real quick. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubles Israel? And he answered, I'm not the one that troubles. He's yelling at his boss too. I'm not troubled Israel. You and your father's house in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent on, unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal or Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. They stayed quiet. Then Elijah sent Elijah to the people I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. We're going to stop there, and I'm just going to tell you the story because it's a long scripture. It's one of my favorite stories, and, and he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. And I'm not going to retell the story because you know it, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to get two altars. You guys are going to pray. I'm going to pray, and whoever's God consumes the offering that's God, right? So they do the whole rigmarole. You heard about the cutting, etc. Then you hear about him, him creating a trench. He gets this, the, the 12 stones and he puts them around there to represent the 12 tribes. He said, pour water on it, pour water on it, pour water on it, four times, pour water on it until all the water has just consumed this thing and there's a trench there. And then he starts to pray and he prays this beautiful prayer. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening service that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is the God. Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal 
let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook, Kishon, and slew them right there. Then it goes on to talk about, and I don't have it here, but you can read it, right between these two passages that I have referenced. It goes to talk about rain, and there have been no rain in the land. And that's why Ahab had come up to him and said, hey, you're the one that's bothering us because you kind of stopped the rain. And he said, no, 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 no. You're the one that did this. You escaped from the Lord. You stopped listening to God and you started worship, worshiping Balaam. And that's why it stopped. That's why there's famine and drought throughout the land. So you're the one that's done this. And so at this point in time, because God has come down and shown himself, and the people have said he is God, that God says to uh, him, Elijah, go and bring down the rain. And so he goes, and this is the story here. It's not in here. This is the story where he says, um, he starts to pray. He's on his face praying, and he says, what do you see out there? And he said, I, I don't see anything. He keeps praying. He says, what do you see now? I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, right? You remember this? And then he says, okay, now go and, and get Ahab, and all these things need to happen. Boom, 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 boom. And he keeps praying, and then he gets up, and he leaves. And by this time, dark clouds, the Bible says, thunderous rain starts pouring down, and you get this rain because of him praying. Beautiful, amazing miracles. So visible, so vibrant, so ex expansive and exciting that you see in this life of Elijah the power and the presence of God moving through this man. First Kings 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose. Who arose? Elijah arose and escaped. He went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, Lord. That's enough. It is enough, Lord. Take away my life. For... Milkshake. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Excuse me, you have to wipe this down. I never got it. I never understood that. Here you have Elijah. Two amazing miracles. Man, if I had... If I had just put a barbecue together and, and not brought the charcoal and said, Lord, you're going to light this thing for me and we're going to have a great feast. 
And, and he had consumed that thing, even though it had rained. And there was, you ever tried to create, do barbecue in the rain? We, t- we tried it. We tried it in, in Broken Bow. I told you this before. We tried it where there was this big thing of, of logs, and I got the driest ones that I could find, and we tried to make a fire and just could not do it. And so Kelly went, she got some dry wood, and we were able to make the fire, right? I told you that story. So, but he, here he gets, and he, he wets the wood, and, and the Lord consumes it. He, he's praying, and after months, months, of rain not coming down, he prays one day and all of a sudden rain is coming down. You don't think that Elijah knew that God was with him? Can you imagine that? How many miracles have you performed? And, and yet you're faithful people. But how many miracles have you said, this is going to happen, boom, 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 and it's just going to go, right? For me, which doesn't work that way, for me the Lord performs a miracle, and it's not until later like, that I'm like, that was a miracle, I didn't know that. I, I wasn't thinking about it at the time, but God did something there. But for Elijah, it was like, no, no, no. Look, guys, here's how it's going to work. And he's dusting himself off, and he says, boom, miracle. You don't think that Elijah knew that God was there, that he existed, that he was real? That's why I never understood that. How do you not know, Elijah, that God is there? How do you not know? Sorry. And yet, 1 Kings 19, a woman says to him, I'm going to kill you. I'm coming after you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy everything that you've ever created. And he runs. He runs scared. And I never understood why. Look, if, if God can do this thing with the fire, if God can do this thing with the clouds, why would you run? But I get it now. I get it. I warned you before I started. I get it. I get it because many of you feel the same way. I feel this way. Lord, I've seen your miracle. I've seen your work. When I got that stupid disease, I thought, why? I'm a Christian. I love you. I do all these great things for the church. I, I, I sacrifice of myself, of my time. I get, I get getting it. Okay, yeah, she had it, you know, why wouldn't he protect me from it? Why would we go through all the things we're going through? Why, why would my boss be the way that he is? Why, why are all these things attacking me right now at the same time when we're in the midst of this, this spiritual rising that God wants to perform? Why, where is God through all these things? And, and I, I think it was truly the aftermath of this, 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 sickness and and my spirit just being so low and and me not being in a place where I was girded up or protected I hadn't been protecting myself because I was invincible my faith was an invincible faith got nothing can touch me 
Nothing can touch me because God is on my side. And so I'm walking around thinking, you know, even if I get it, it's just, it's going to be like a, a bad cold and I'll be fine. It did not feel like a bad cold, let me tell you. And all the things that happened through it and because of it. Let me tell you, third, three, day three, maybe two and a half of me having this thing. Man, I'm feeling awful. I'm pale. I could come up to Tammy and she would have said, you look sick. I love your honesty. I thank you for it. She, she comes up to me and sometimes, hey, you don't look good. Are you tired? Yes, Tammy, I am very tired. I, I, was, I felt so bad. And you, you, you could have to told, told, whatever. You could have seen it. And, and I'm, but I had a meeting with my boss and the CCO, the, the chief commercial customer officer of the company. And, and she wants to tell me, ask me all these questions about my department and how it's going and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm sitting in this Zoom call, pale, so pale. And, and my hair is just matted down because I've been laying down. So my hair is not great. I'm, I'm just kind of like, uh, uh, uh. I don't know if they could tell that I was sick or not or if it was just a bad connection. But I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there listening to her talking and, and, you know, writing down all the things that she's saying. And, and I'm thinking, man, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm, I'm in the middle of this, this spiritual and physical crisis and, and I'm talking to the CCO, this, this isn't right. I, I need more strength and power than this. Why is this happening right now? Why couldn't this happen four days ago or two weeks from now? Why does it have to be right now? So everything, everything, everything that the enemy could hit me with, hit me, everything. And so at that point in time, I, I thought back to the scripture, and I'm like, I get it. I get it. I understand why... Elijah, after having done these miracles, and I know time passed, but after, after having done these miracles, would say, I'm just done. I just, I can't do it anymore. This sermon, I like, you like my title? They're in back, and Kelly came up with this title. I feel like the Hobbit. <clears throat> this sermon is about me. It's about self. It's about you, really. It's about us. It's about the concept of what we would define as self. I, I fully admit I'm a very selfish person. And, and I, as part of my Christianity, it, it's one of the things that I battle daily. And, and I'll tell you why. I grew up um, not in poverty. We grew up poor, not in poverty. And, and we grew up without. My, my parents were very young when, when they uh, conceived their first child. And they, they had not been, uh, finan they're not financially stable, right out of high school. Um, my mother gets pregnant. My father doesn't go to college because he recognizes, I, I got to take care of this child. So he goes and gets a job at what, what the, at the time was DPNL. Doesn't exist anymore. Some of you know it. DPNL. Um, and and he, he goes to be an accountant there. And, and he's, you know, he's working. Um, so we're, we're growing up and we didn't get all the things that I'm trying to give my daughters now, but, but we didn't get any of that. So when we ask for things, right, we know that you're probably not gonna get it. We, my mom was very diligent about making sure that we were clothed and fed. Obviously I had hand-me-downs, right? I have an older brother, so a lot of those hand-me-downs came to me. Uh, fortunately for my sister, she was a girl. She wasn't gonna wear my clothes, so she got her own thing, she got her own room. My brothers and I shared a room. Uh, it, was, it was just difficult. And, and I found myself, I, I look back now at my life, and I found myself looking back at it and seeing how selfish I was because of that environment. And, and my brother, Marco, will tell you this. I would come home, 
and I would open the fridge and, and see what food was available. And I would find ham and cheese and lettuce. And so I would make these most, the most amazing sandwiches. Amazing. He'll tell you it this way. He makes the most amazing sandwiches. And it's got, it's got black olives. It's got pickles. Um, it's got a little bit of salt and pepper. I mean, it was just this masterpiece, this giant masterpiece of food. Bacon, I would make a little bit of bacon for it. And so I made this sandwich, and I would, I would make it for myself. And, and I was probably 13, 12 or 13 at the time. Um, so I knew how to use the stove, but, but I didn't know how to cook, cook yet. And so I'm making something that's simple and easy. And, and my brother, who's about eight years younger than me, would say, hey, I want one. You know, can I have some? And I'd be like, no. This is, this is my sandwich. Someone else is in charge of you. They should be feeding you. This is, this is mine. And I would find that at times I was very, very into what was mine. And then I had to, when I became a Christian, I had to grow out of that. I had to start recognizing that I am being or was being very selfish. And, and we today, if you look at it, we live in the world that is that exactly it is a world consumed with self. Find your own truth. I, I, I like watching videos of uh, Karens. Have you heard of the Karens? I, I feel so bad for people whose name is actually Karen because it's just been besmirched now. But, but you watch these videos of these Karens and they walk around and they're just up in arms about everything. And, and this one poor lady um, walks into a bank without a mask Everybody's wearing masks. Everybody's looking at her. They're giving her the side eye, but she's in there, and they call the police. Look, you have to have a mask. It, it's not a public place. This is a private institution. You got to wear a mask. So she comes over. He, the police comes over there. He turns on his camera, and you watch, and he walks in there, and he says, ma'am, I'm going to have to ask you to leave, or I'm going to have to ask you to put on a, a mask. And you know what happens next. Obviously, you know what happens next, and, and hilarity ensues. I'm sorry. Um, Pandemonium ensues, she, she gets arrested, she resists arrest, which is the worst thing that you can do when you're talking to an officer. They're already up here, right, in their stress level. She resists arrest, she um, gets arrested, and she starts yelling, are you guys seeing this, Bruce? police brutality, police brutality? And the people around her are like, no, not really, because she wouldn't wear a mask. Look, I, I get it, I get it. People feel like their, their rights are being infringed on. People feel like you should not be forced to wear anything. But, but we wear clothes. I'm just going to put that out there. You, you don't have to, I guess, but you still do it. So anyway, um, you wear a seatbelt. By law, you're required to wear a seatbelt, but, but you do it anyway, right? It's safety. I get it. People are so consumed with this, I don't have to wear a mask, you can't make me wear a mask, because what are they thinking about? Me. My rights are being infringed. When I, when I got the COVID, I, I, I wasn't an anti-mask or anything like that. I wore it, and then I thought, okay, it's going to be fine. After COVID, I, I attended a wedding, and there was probably 50, 60 people there, it was probably six or seven of us that wore a mask to this thing. And, and it, was, it was not too long ago, um, so the restrictions were gone. You didn't have to wear a mask. Everything was opened up, etc. I wore a mask because I don't want to get the COVID again. I did it. I got the T-shirt. Don't want to have it again. And if I in any way, shape, or form am uh, still able to pass it on to people, 
I, I kept telling people, now my sweat heals people of the COVID because I got it. I, I don't think that's true. And I don't think the opposite. I don't think I can give it to anybody. But, but I don't want to risk it. So I wore my mask. I wore my Superman mask. And there was probably, like I said, six other people who wore their masks as well. And, and I was waiting for one of these non-maskers to come up to me and say, why are you wearing a mask? You know, you don't have to anymore. And, and just and bring up the debate. Because I, I would love to talk about my experience. Here's what I went through because I didn't wear a mask at home. I don't want to experience that again. Whether I can get it or not, I don't want to wear that. I don't have that experience again. So forgive me, but I'm going to wear the mask because that's my right. You see these other people, there's, there's people around the world that are dealing with this who are telling others you don't have to wear that and they're trying to tear them off their faces. Have you seen this? If they want to wear a mask, let them wear a mask. What's the big deal? Look, if you don't want to wear a mask, that is your right. You're right. It is your right. Especially now that the restrictions are gone, don't wear the mask. In public, you have to wear a mask. So stop thinking about yourself and stop complaining about it and just do what you need to do. Because, because look, it's not about you. It's about the people around you. And that's really what this sermon is about. And, and here's how I tie it back. Because I recognized at this point in time, after I've, I've done all this study and looking through it, the, the self is the antithesis of the prophet. It is the direct antithesis of the prophet. That's how all this ties together. The prophet is the weapon against the self. Why do I say that? Let me tell you why. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You won't die. God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together. And they made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He was naked booty, girls. And he said, Who told thee that you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat. Why did they eat? Does anybody know why they ate? Because they were thinking about themselves. You shall be like God. You shall have knowledge. You will have all the things that God doesn't want you to have. So eat, eat, and you'll have everything that you've ever wanted. Who were they thinking about? Themselves. What did God want? God wanted to speak to them and through them to expand his kingdom on this earth. He wanted them to be prophets. He wanted them to be his voice. He wanted to have a relationship with these people. 
And they said, nope, it's about me. He's given us everything over here, but we can't touch this thing. And the serpent says, yeah, you can. It's okay. Just do it. It's going to be fine. It's just food. And so they, they consume of it, and they think about themselves and what it's going to do. This is the direct opposite of the prophetic voice. I remember, Pastor told this story the other day. And Pastor, I think about this story all the time. Because it, it was my first real uh, understanding, or, or no, not understanding, my first view into the prophetic. He, he told a story about Joey Etheridge. And, and I remember that day like it was yesterday. And, and I'll tell you why. But I remember, I remember him standing right there. He was standing right here, and, and I remember Pastor Dan. I remember all the craziness that was going on, and everybody was dancing and worshiping and doing all the things that we do, or praying, interceding. And I remember him standing right there, and, and I remember you coming over to him, and I remember um, the, the three of you. It was, it, was, it was Dan, it was Paul, and it was you, and you were right here. And, and Joey was like this, and then the three of you were huddled around him, and, and you were listening to what he was saying. And I remember you specifically nodding, and, and you get that serious face that you get when you listen, and you're, you know, you're listening, you're, you're sitting there, you're, you're um, thinking through all the, the ramifications of this. And, and I remember being jealous that I wasn't there. That's why I remember it. I remember, he was, he was a lovely young man. I pray for him. I called him a long time ago, like two or three years ago, way after he left, uh, and really never got a response. But I, I remember the Spirit of God coming upon him, and, and I remember his simplicity. I remember his, his just lack of, of um, really overtness and, and, and thoughts about himself, and, and really trying to be as deep into the Lord as he could be. And, and I remember that moment and thinking, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could experience God in that way because I don't. I, 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 when, when my prophetic voice comes out, it, it is a struggle to hear the voice of God. And I fight with myself. I battle, is this God? Is this me? This, this whole concept of the false prophet is, is really ingrained in my mind. It's scary when you think about it. There was this young woman that came to our church just a couple times when I was in college. She was in my college. She came to this church. She had a beautiful voice, beautiful voice. And, and she considered herself prophetic. And, and she would tell people this. And, and my sister at the time was going into college. And, and she flat out looked at my sister and said, God told me that you're going to be my roommate at this college. She said that to her. Guess where my sister did not go to college? That college. She didn't go there. But she flat out told her, you're going to be my roommate at this college. And I think back at that, and I think, was she a false prophet? Was she using God to get her way? Was this her attempt to, to try to push God on someone and say, hey, if you don't do this, then that you're going against the will of God? I, I Look, I don't. I'm not judging her. I don't know what was in her mind. Maybe it was innocent. Maybe she did feel like she got a word from the Lord. But I, I think about that story all the time because it scares me that someone would have that type of boldness when, when I knew it was wrong, my sister knew it was wrong, maybe this girl didn't know it was wrong, but you could tell by the life that my sister was living at the time, 
she was not going to go to Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Waxahachie, Texas. She was just not. So I, I, I fear that concept. The, the, the idea that anybody can just brazenly say, thus says God, and if you don't do it, God is going to punish all of us. So you better get in on it. So I, I think about that moment, and I think, wow, I wish I could just, I could hear the voice of the Lord so clearly that it's not even a question. And it's not even a question, and it's going to propel things forward. And then I think about that story, and it, it brings me back to what I like to call reality. Be careful. Be careful. There's things in your life that, that maybe you're not completely right with God or, or things are happening or whatever. It, it, it all comes back to self. Because when I say that it is the antithesis of the prophet, you look at this, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Name one of those. Name one of those that is for you. They're all for somebody else. You don't have patience with yourself. You don't give yourself joy. I mean, maybe sometimes you're, you're walking around and you make yourself laugh. Hee hee, I'm so funny. Maybe, I don't know. But you don't give yourself peace. Oh, I'm just gonna, ah, oh, peace. No, no, no. You, you, you give these things as fruit, as an offering to other people. The Spirit of God gives it through you to someone else. That, that is prophecy. That's prophetic. 1 Corinthians 12. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal, for to one is given the Spirit of the word of wisdom, to another word of knowledge, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and the self-same spirit, dividing every man severally as he will. Prophetic. You look at every single one of these, and they are all prophetic. They are all a manifestation of God coming down to you and offering himself through you. They're all prophetic. Can, can a teacher go manifest to this? Yes. Can an apostle? Yes. But every single one of them is the voice of God coming through an individual and out to somebody else. Every single one of these requires that you kill yourself. Every single one of these. I think about that, that scripture in uh, Acts, Acts chapter 3, where they're walking along and they see this man and he's, you know, uh, disabled. He's, he's on the floor. And, um, and, and Peter comes up to him and he says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to thee. Man, what, what, it would, what kind of relationship do you have to have with God to be able to look at somebody and say, look, I, I can't give you money, but I, I can certainly call upon the name of the Lord to heal those legs of yours. What, what kind of, look, forget, put aside relationship with God. What kind of confidence do you have to have in God that he's going to do what he said he wants to do? Through you. You have to die to yourself to get to that place. And, and I, I recognize now, it's all coming back around. I recognize now that several weeks ago, I was not there. And I can't tell you that I am there now, but I can tell you for a fact, I was not there several weeks ago before 
the COVID hit. Me, I mean. I was not in a place where it was not about me, that it was completely about God. You look at John the Baptist. You think, you think he woke up in the morning and said, you know what I would love right now? Locusts. Man, that sounds delicious. And honey. Ooh, you ever had honey straight off of the beehive? Mmm. Forget the stings, just, just off of the beehive. I mean, to get it, is, it's harrowing, but you, do you think he had a little smoke can that he brought everywhere with him? Come on. You don't think he was throwing rocks, having the bees chase him, and then he was coming back around and grabbing the hive and running off with it, dipping his hand in there like Winnie the Pooh? You, I mean, think about how you get locusts and wild honey. That's how you get it. You ever caught a locust before? Anybody? Over there, oh my goodness. Mad respect over there. You ever caught a locust before? Man, those things aren't, they don't just sit around and say, yep, come on over. They're, they're difficult to catch. Any bug is gonna be difficult to catch. This guy is catching them and then eating them. Maybe he spits them over a fire. Maybe he's got a little thing going in it. I don't know. But you think John the Baptist woke up and said, I'm gonna do these things because that sounds fun for me. No, it, it was a sacrifice. You think Moses, after, after seeing everything, the power that the Egyptians had and, and, and listening to the voice of God, wanted to go? In fact, he says to the Lord, I don't want to go. I don't even speak well. I stutter. I, I st 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 stutter, Lord. You don't want me to be your spokesperson. And God says, I want you to be my man. I want you to be the person that goes and does these things. And he had to sacrifice himself in order to go and do what God had called him to do. Pro prophetic, the prophetic office, none of this is fun, but the prophetic office is not meant to be fun. It, it's not meant to be exciting. You, you, you don't see this as a, I'm gonna tell people what, what's going on in their life and they're gonna be so happy with me. You think David was happy with Nathan when he went up to him and said, let me tell you a story. There was a man and he had a sheep, and he loved this sheep, and there was this other rich man who had all the sheep in the world, and he came over and he stole that one sheep. What did David do? We're gonna kill him! Read it in the Bible, it's in there. David says, we're gonna get that guy. That guy deserves to be flogged and beaten, tarred and feathered. We're gonna go get him. And Nathan turns to him and says, David, that's you. You're the man. You think Nathan felt comfortable telling him that story? How could he, could he have reacted? Off with his head. Nathan, you can't talk to me like that. I am the king of Israel. How dare you come into my house and tell me that I am wrong for doing anything that I want to do. Get out. That's how he could have reacted. And fortunately for Nathan, fortunately, David had a heart that ran after God and he recognized his sin and he repented. And there was, there was obviously consequence. Read the story. There was consequence because of that sin. But Nathan, we're talking about Nathan here, Nathan had to sacrifice of his own self to say, I've got to talk to the king of Israel and tell him what's wrong. Prof prophetic words, when you look through the Old Testament, they're not warm and fuzzy. They're not, hey, you're gonna have all this, this wonderful money and things that are gonna come into your life. A lot of times they're very harsh. And the people that are doing, and Pastor spoke on this earlier this week too, the, the people that are speaking them have to go through harsh things. Lying on his side, for 430 days, 
I bet he looked like Two-Face, right? Didn't you make a reference to his tan? I bet he looked like Two-Face, and half his body is really tan, and the other one is kind of tan. It, it was difficult. Now, look, scholars believe that, that he didn't lay on his side all day, every day. He had to go to the bathroom. I'm sure he had to eat, and the Bible says that he did eat. He made bread, and he had water. So, so he was laying there as a prophetic word, but even, look, even just laying there. During this COVID time when I was laying in bed, I had to get up. My body was hurting. And you've heard of this. Those of you who are in the medical field, you know that bed sores happen when people just lay down for very long extended periods of time. So you think he was happy laying there? It's a sacrifice, a sacrifice of self. So what does this mean? Let's, let's bring it all to a conclusion. Let's, let's bring this journey to an end, right? There, we're coming back again. Number one. When you look at this story uh, of Elijah in 1 Kings 18, there's, there's a, another part that I didn't read. We're going to read this here. And, and I truly believe that I'm in a place where, or, or maybe I was, or I don't know. I don't know where I am in this thing. But, but it's wilderness training. It's wilderness training. And I don't know if I left it on your sheet, but I wrote down Rocky theme song. I think about that Rocky movie, and, and just the great job that Sylvester Stallone did to have you recognize the, the, the sacrifice and the triumph that this individual, this fake, fictional individual goes through to get where he's going. I love, in movies, the, the training scene. And, and he has them in all of his movies, right? The, the place where the, the protagonist gets to, okay, now I've got to go fight the big boss, so I'm going to train. And ticka, 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 rising up. But you see him, and he's training, and he's punching things. And, and then you see the bad guy, and he's training, and he's punching things. That's what this is here. 1 Kings 19.4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Lord, I'm done. I'm done. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and he slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Rise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat, and he drank, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Rise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. And he arose, and he did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat... 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. What does this mean? Wilderness training. If you're in this place, and, and like me, you're at a place where like, oh God, I, I just don't know anymore. I, I don't know if I can anymore. That's, that's where I am with my job. I don't know if I can anymore. Let me tell you what, what, what I believe God is telling me, and he's telling us today. You've got to rise, and you've got to feed. You've got to eat. You've got to jump into the word. You've got to dive in as deep as you can and understand the word of God. I have a devotional. It's a, it's a daily thing. It's small. It's, it's really insignificant when I think about it. I've got to change that paradigm and really jump into the word of God and truly understand what he's doing, not just for me, take the self out of it, but what he's doing in this world, what he wants to say, what he wants to do. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that here at the end of this. What does God want from you? You have got to rise, and you have got to eat. If you think you're reading your Bible enough, it's not enough. Go read more. Go dive in deeper. Go consume the thing that God has wanted you to consume. 
We, we listen to, to pastor's words, and I, I appreciate my wife. I love my wife so much. I appreciate what she does every single day, every single week for our family. And one of those things that she does weekly is she listens to the Florida message in the morning. She listens to that Sunday school because it's before ours. And so I'll wake up from my slumber, and I'll hear Annette's voice. Isn't that a great way to wake up is just hearing Annette? Or I'll hear Vicky's voice. I'll, I'll, she'll turn it on and, and all of a sudden I'll, I'll be like, I'm in Florida. Why am I in Florida? But we're listening to the Sunday school. And she, you know, they'll, they'll start to talk about things and they have the question and answer time. And it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. We have to rise and we have to eat. Number two, patience, practice, and presence. 1 Kings 19, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. You've heard many sermons that say, listen to the still, small voice. But I, I'll say to you this other thing patience. I've, I've, again, I hope my boss isn't listening. I've been throwing resumes left and right. I mean, I'm applying for things that I think might fit me. I'm applying for things that have the word director or senior manager, even though it doesn't fit me. I'm applying for, for, for places that are out in the boonies of, of Fort Worth because I think it fits me and I could probably do a great job at it. I'm applying everywhere that I can right now because I'm just so done with this job. And so I got a call from a lady, a recruiter, said, I got your resume. You look like a great fit for what we do here. Let's talk about it. So we talked, and she said, wow, yeah, this is great. She said, what are your salary requirements? And I said, a million dollars. And she's like, yeah, that's not going to work for us. You're a little bit more expensive than what we really need. We're actually down here in this range. And I was like, oh, that, that's going to be tough because it's a big disparity between what you want and what I want. And... So I said, okay, but look, don't, don't take me out of the running. Go, go back and talk to your people and, and let me know if there's any wiggle room here, okay? Just let me know if there's any wiggle room because I think this could be a good fit for me. And so we get off the phone. I start talking to Kelly about it, and, and she starts to see all the things that I don't see. I mean, that's what wives are for, right? She starts to see all the things that I don't see. She says, you, you recognize that this is in basically in Fort Worth, right? And it's basically an hour and a half drive one way, and, and they don't have really virtual options. They, they want you to come into the office. And, and right now, I'm at a place in my job where I'm like, okay, okay, I'll do it. That's fine. Let's go. And, and she's like, but think about this, this, this. And she starts giving me all the logistics of it, and she starts to deflate, you know, all the things that I love. That's what wives are for, to deflate you. And um, big dream deflator. And so... We, we start talking about it, and, and I, you know, come to the realization, she, she came to it before I did, obviously, probably not the best fit for you. But I'm just so ready to leave, I'll take anything right about now. So, so I, she calls me back and says, okay, look, it's actually lower than I told you, this job, so do you still want to talk to the manager? And, and by this time, Kelly and I had talked, and I'm like, you know, I, I just, it's just too low. I, I, I need my million, so... No, I, I think I'm going to have to pass. But please keep me in mind for any future opportunities, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for your time, whatever. And, and we got off the phone. And I was so dejected at that point in time because I thought, Lord, 
Are, did you bring me this opportunity or not, right? Again, I'm at this place. So I'm thinking, Lord, are, is this for me or not? And, and again, this comes into my mind. Patience. Patience. I got another call from a lady not too long ago. Similar opportunity, a little bit less money than I make now, and it's 100% virtual. You'll be working from home. You can come into the office. We have a place for you, but you don't have to come in. And, and yes, it's less money, but it's not significantly less where you're just going to have to, you know, not have a car. And, and it, fits my, it fits my work ethic. It, you know, it, it fits my style of leadership. It's all these great things. And I have an interview with the manager on Monday. And so, I, again, I think about this verse, and, and I think, patience. you got to wait. That, if I had taken that first job or I said, look, yeah, I'll, I'll take the decrease, where would I be right now? Probably driving unhappy to Fort Worth. Definitely unhappy driving to Fort Worth. I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying that I'm going to get this, this new job that I'm being recruited for. I'm not saying that it's the right fit for me. I'm not saying that God put this in front of me. What I'm saying is things are going to happen, and, and we have to open our discernment. Right? We talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Open our discernment and wait for God to do what he wants to do. We have to be proactive. Absolutely. They, she wouldn't have called me if I didn't have a resume out there. We have to be proactive, but we have to have patience. We have to learn to let the presence of God consume us so that we know that it's him and not something else. And that is exactly what Elijah had to do. Why wouldn't he be in the fire? Why wouldn't he have been in the earthquake? He was waiting for you, waiting for you to tr truly recognize him. Number three, the burden of the Lord. 1 Kings 19, and it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering into the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and slain your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. The burden of the Lord. We, we are... We are a people who love God. Every single one of you here and listening to the message love the Lord. Let me, let me tell you something that, that I have learned through all this. God loves you. He loves you so much. And despite me yelling and complaining and looking at God and shaking my fist... Despite all of that, I know that he loves me. I, I feel his presence. I know that he is here for me. And it's not just about me. And I recognize that now. It's not about me. It's about what God wants to do through me. Because, because he loves every single one of us. And, and we're not in this alone. We have to be in this together. Because together we're stronger and until we recognize that together we are stronger, we're going to be out there all alone, flailing about. Even John the Baptist, the loner, had disciples. He needed people that were praying for him and girding him up. We don't hear about them. We know that they're there. But we are not alone in this. So, so if you are in this place, and maybe you're not. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. But if you're in this place and you think, where has God been? Release your burden and tell him. 
because it's not a secret to him. Let me tell you that right now. It's not like he does, oh, I didn't know you felt that way. If, you had, if we had just talked about it, maybe I would have, hey, look, you had my email, you have my text, you could have set up a meeting anytime. I didn't know. That's not how God works. Let me tell you that right now. Yeah. Maybe VPs work that way, not God. He, he knows. He already knows. He, how, look, don't yell at God. Don't be a Fabian. Don't yell at God. But recognize that you have the opportunity to release your burden. Lord, this is how I feel. This is where I am. Take me. Do whatever you want with me. But, but I've got to know that it's you. Like Moses said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. But I don't want to go anywhere if you're not going to be there with me. That's what Moses said. I'm not going to go anywhere if you're not going to be there with me. And the Lord said, look, I'm going to be there with you. I will be there with you. So release your burden. Release it. Let him know how you feel. If he needs to be in your closet, if you need to come up here and pray, if you want to be alone, understandable. Totally understandable. But just know that God knows. And there's no reason for you to hold it in like he doesn't know. Or, or feel like other people don't need to know. I'm up here now broken and contrite before you because you're not the only one you're not there are others just like us who feel broken so be broken it's okay it's okay. i told i told ali stop crying it, it's just a video game and she said well daddy you're crying <laughs> boo number four the word of god I know, right out of the mouths of, of babes and sucklings. And the Lord said unto him, this is 1 Kings 19.15, by the way. I, don't, uh, I know it's right on your sheet, it's not right on mine. 1 Kings 19.15, the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you come, anoint Hazael to be king of Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abelomelech, Shalt thou anoint to be prophet in your room? When, when Elijah went through his wilderness, when he practiced patience and listened to the presence of God or for the presence of God, when he released his burden, the word of the Lord came and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's, here is how this is going to work. This is a scriptural recipe for hearing the voice of God. And he says to us, my word is coming. Go through this, and then my word is coming, and here's what I need you to do. This is what he did for Elijah. Let's recognize what he did for Elijah. He said, okay, I need you to just release everything. Go and, go and make this person king, this person king, and, and later on it says, look, if they, if they pass through him, he's going to get him, and if they pass through him, he's going to get him, and, and anoint Elisha. Give your mantle to somebody else. I'm at a place right now where I'm like, Lord, that's not what I want. I'm, I'm not here to give my mantle to somebody else, but maybe some of you are. Maybe you're at a place where you're just like, I'm done. Lord, I'm, I really am done, and, and you, you, wanna, you wanna release your burden. Let me tell you, God's okay with that. He took Elijah, and he, he raised up on Elisha. So maybe it is time for you to release your burden. Maybe it's time for you to anoint someone in your stead 
and say, look, I pass my mantle on to you, and, and I'm going to be here to mentor you. I'm going to be here to teach you and to train you, but, but it's not my mantle anymore. I, I give it to you. I, I'm not there yet. Thank God I'm not there yet. I, I need something else. And, and, I, and a long time ago, a long time ago, I'm sorry for all the sniffling, I had a dream. And I don't know if I ever told you, Pastor, or, or the congregation about this dream. It was right when you had finished writing uh, Pneumatikos. And, and you wrote three books pretty much in succession, Divers Tongues, Pneumatikos, and then The Saints. And, and it was the first foray into Pneumatikos publishing and, and what this church was going to do and the revelation and all that. And, and I had a dream. And I don't know when it was, if it was before you wrote it. No, it wasn't before you wrote it, but like during you writing it and telling me I need a, a book cover or immediately after or what. But it was around that time that I had a dream that I was in a kitchen, an industrial kitchen. Everything was stainless steel. And, and I hope you understand what I mean by this, where they have those stainless steel counters and then under it like a stainless steel shelf and then they've got the stainless steel refrigerator everything was industrial it was like I was in a kitchen for a conference center or a stadium okay not a home kitchen so I'm, I'm in this place and and you and another pastor came out or, or walked into the kitchen from wherever you were and and I had the feeling that uh, you had just come from teaching or preaching or whatever in this stadium or conference center or whatever it was. But in your hands was a giant book, and, and it was essentially an almanac of, of spiritual things. That to me was what Pneumatikos, the book, represented. This, this almanac of spiritual things that, you have, that you're going to start to build and, and put into. Uh, and, and I believe that because it wasn't a prophetic word, it was just a dream, but, but I believe that this dream was basically the Lord showing me this is what it's going to be. This is what your revelation is going to be to these people, an almanac. And, and I, I thank the Lord for Stacy and what she's trying to do with line upon line. It, it's, a, it's a part of what God is doing in this church. And I say it that way because other people are, are in, most of you, all of you are invested in this church and making it what it needs to be. But what I hear the voice of the Lord saying to me, and perhaps to some of you, it's not enough. We're not done. You want to know about the prophet? You're going to go through hell. You're going to be laying on your side. You're going to be speaking people to people that you don't want to speak to. You're going to be saying things that you don't want to say. But I need you, I need you to be my prophet. And let me tell you what, it's not going to be fun, and it's not going to help you in your rise to fame, and it's going to kill yourself. But it's going to get my kingdom where it needs to be. This is a hard message, but it is the message of the saints. It's been this way for a very long time. This isn't new. All of you are like, yeah, yeah, I've been there. It's not new. The message of the saints is sacrifice, obey, and deplete yourself. But Lord, it's so hard. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Then release your mantle. But if you've got it, if you, if you want to take it to the next level, there's a next level that he wants to get us to. And, and Pastor, I, I commit myself today to do more. I, let me tell you right now, folks, because I'm arrogant. I already think I do a lot for this church. I, I really do. 
I, I, I sacrificed a lot for this church, but I, I can do more. I can do more. I know I can. I know you can too. Kelly was leaned over to me, and she said, you know, we, we need to give into that. We need to talk about what we want to give. And I was like, yeah, we, we really do. I'm, I'm thinking, I'll say it out loud right now, no, no less than 1,000. We need to do no less than 1,000, but no more than 1,002. So just keep that in mind. In all seriousness, we really do need to pray, because maybe it's more. Maybe it's more. Maybe it'll be a, a strain on us financially, but no less. I'll say that from the pulpit, no less, because we can do more. You know, when you can't do any more, what does the Bible say? When you have done everything that you can possibly do to stand, stand therefore. Let me tell you how you're going to stand, and then it goes through the list. Stand therefore. In fact, stand with me, if you will. Now, even if you won't, stand with me. <laughs> I want to thank all of our teachers this week, Brother Burke, Monica, for your obedience to the Lord, your sacrifice of your time. I want to thank um, the Prophetic Presbytery, the, the entire team. You know who you are, your work that you do uh, for the Lord. You, you take away from your time um, going to lunch to go and do these things. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I'm sure that there's many, some maybe, that, that get the word and like, oh, that's nice, and then they, you know, they dismiss it. But, but, but your obedience, your obedience is expanding the kingdom and spirits everywhere, and, and, and don't, don't let that go to the wayside. Um, the administrative people here, Ruby, always does an amazing job getting all this stuff together, all the signage, the, the people who clean. You, know, you realize there's stripes here on the carpet. Someone does that. They don't just... It's not an angel who's dragging his wings. A person does that. Um, our sound people, obviously our camera people, you know, you, you don't recognize. I, I move around a lot. Monica's just trying to catch me. But they, they do an amazing job. And sometimes we can't have camera people, so Scott runs up and down. You ever seen him run up and down? Always running up and down. Uh, always directing. Always trying to get things ready. Always ready to get things ready. Uh, Rick's always up there helping him. There's just so many people. I'm, I'm sorry if I missed you. So many people to thank, but the Lord thanks you. I, I would like to encourage you to do more. I know you're tired. But we can do it. And if you're listening to me, watching me cry, on this, on this tape or video or Eight track, well, however you're consuming this content. <laughs> if you're watching this and listening to it in your car, and you're, maybe you're crying with me in your car. Maybe you're driving and you've got to pull over because you can't see through the tears. Look, God has so much more for you. Look, this, this, this is a network of saints. You've got your own church. You've got your own prayer group. Maybe it's you by yourself, and, and you think, there's not much I can do. Let me tell you, there's so much that you can do, so much that you can do for this kingdom. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes you can give that way, and I encourage you to give. I can't tell you what to give. You give whatever the Lord wants you to give, and maybe it's $5. I don't know, but you give if you can give. 
Sometimes it's, it's you want to be a part of a prophetic ministry. So, hey, come under somebody's wing and reach out to the church and say, I would like to be a prophet. It's going to be a sacrifice, but I would like to do it. I, I would like to teach one day. Awesome. We'll, we'll get you in a rotation. We'll talk to you about what that means. We'll, we'll gauge your spiritual acumen, all that stuff. We'll get you where you need to go. The pastor has been, been doing this school for, for Brazil. Maybe there's something that you can do to help that. There's so much more that the Lord wants to do here. And I've got so many ideas, so many things just rushing into me. I hope I don't forget right when I get off this pulpit because I can do more and you can too. So Father, I pray for strength, number one. I pray that you allow us to consume your word, to feel your spirit, to release our burden, to understand what it is that you want from me, from us, to be able to push forward. Father, your, your silence sometimes is the hardest thing to understand. But in that time, you have given me so many opportunities to study, to learn, to grow in your word. So Father, I, I will take on that burden and I will learn and I will study and I will continue to grow. And, and Lord, when that day comes, when your voice is so clear, Father, give me the strength to, to rise up and do exactly what it is that you want me to do, regardless of how scary it's gonna be. Lord, for those here that, that maybe look at me and say, wow, I'm not there yet, protect them, keep them, Lord. I hope that day isn't coming, and if it is coming, Lord, help them to remember this time right here. Lord, for those who have experienced this, who are doing this right now, let them know there's light at the end of this tunnel, that you love us so much, that you're bringing us to a new place, a new place of birthing. Father, we thank you for that. Lord, I just submit, submit myself to you. Whatever it is that you want, as embarrassing as it might be for me, I don't care anymore because I love you. I love you so much, Father. And I know that you love us too. We thank you for it. Bless all of us here, all those listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy your meal and we'll see you later.